back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Before we get into Jeff Merrick, sending your wake and rake picks at 595.90. Got the Blue Jays and the Kansas City Royals, of course. The Raptors at the Boston Celtics on a back-to-back. Hey, Women's World Championship picks as well. Always send that in, 590, 590. Let's talk to our guy, our Wednesday morning guest, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and co-host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. How's it going, Jeff? Well, it's a little rainy. Here's your time and temperature, a little bit after 7 o'clock. It's uh, rainy, ro- rainy roads in, uh, in Stouffville. 680 News uh, Weather Report brought to you by Jeff Merrick. <laughs> the roads are good, okay? Two hands on the wheel, Jeff. Two hands on the wheel. We're, uh, we're always auditioning for our next gig, right, Ailish? Yes, yeah, say you never know. It's always good to have backups. Um, all right, appreciate you joining us while you're en route. Um, let's start with Maple Leafs last night. Uh, it was Pride Night, yeah. and uh, we teed it up before we brought you on. Um, they didn't... They don't decide ever to wear the Pride Night jerseys, which was uh, we were well informed of that in advance. But Samsonov didn't decide to wear the decal on his helmet. Justin brought up a great point about this one seems a little bit less covered in terms of, of just being, you know, uh, discussed here in the media. I know it's been one day, but why is this less of a deal um, that Ilya Samsonov didn't wear the decal than we've seen against the, the rest of the league being, you know, kind of uh, yeah. torn apart for this? I, th- I think we're kind of, I mean, I know I'm at this point. I wonder if you guys are as well. I-, I wonder if people are just sort of at the point now where at the end of this season, when all the, the, all the Pride Nights are done, um, if there does need to be some type of understanding between the NHL, the Players Association, the players about how to handle Pride Night, what the expectation is, uh, what the consequences are, if there are any, um, and essentially how we're going to handle this, because right now the NHL has very much handed this all to the teams and said, okay, you guys sort it out, you guys figure it out, whatever you want to do is what you want to do. We'll treat it like any other uh, night where, uh, where we honor certain people. Uh, I wonder if at this point now, I mean, Provorov was one thing, and then there was that shock, uh, and then there was you know the debate and the discussion, and then there was how other teams have handled it and how some players... Uh, have gone above and beyond. Some have done the bare minimum. Some have done none at all. I think we're kind of at the point now where this night has become such a such a lightning rod that I, I think a lot of people are wondering if we're at a point where the NHL and the Players Association at the end of the season need to sit down and say, okay, what is the expectation of every player here? What do we need to do? Because we need to come up with something collectively. Because right now, I'll tell you, the, the unfortunate part about all of this is it takes away from what the events are for. Like, the attention now isn't on Pride Night and isn't on making people feel welcoming, uh, making people feel welcome. The, the, the attention now is not on teams creating you know, space for, for everybody and specifically for this night, LGBTQ plus community to feel comfortable and safe in their arenas. Uh, it's more now about who's wearing what and most specifically who's not wearing what. The attention for this night has been completely taken away. Uh, the gaze has been shifted somewhere else. And I think it's up to the NHL now and the Players Association to do something about it or at least come up with some type of collective plan at the end of this season 
Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, definitely there has to be some serious discussions about um, this moving forward and how the best way to handle it, but also to still celebrate and to still welcome in uh, members of that community. But, uh, you know... It would have been highly hypocritical of us, I think, if we ripped Ivan Provorov a couple months ago and then just ignored the fact mm-hmm. that Ilya Samsonov chose to do, you know, somewhat the same thing or at least on that same line. And I guess maybe, maybe it's fatigue. Uh, maybe it's the fact that the Maple Leafs did a really good job uh, with everything else that, you know, I think it was largely positive last night. And maybe, you know, the decision that you just don't wear jerseys or they don't do the jersey, they don't design the jerseys. Maybe that keeps a little bit of the attention off and maybe they were really smart to do that. But I just thought, like, there's no way we can not address this coming on because we were so harsh on Provorov and I still think deservedly so and so harsh on the Flyers Mm -hmm. when you know this is kind of the same thing just happening on a lesser scale yeah I know I um the 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 Provorov thing was like like that was fumbled and I can't help but thinking as well like honestly Justin like I, I think that was part of the downfall of Chuck Fletcher um, with the Philadelphia Flyers, we always talk about, you know, managing upwards and not surprising your bosses. And there are a lot of people in Philadelphia uh, at the uh, at the upper, upper level uh, who were surprised by that and um, would have liked a, a heads up and been able to come up with some plan to uh, um, to to uh, some type of some type of plan where the team itself would have been given a softer landing. Um, I, I don't, I mean, hypocritical is, I think, maybe a little bit strong. I think now we're at a place, I mean, Provorov was shocking, and we didn't know that that was going to happen. And, like, I always come short of, like, first of all, I would have worn it. I don't understand myself why people don't. This isn't an indication uh, or a comment on yourself. All this is saying is there's a place here for you. We want you to feel comfortable. If you're a member of the LGBTQ community, there is a place here for you. What I come shy of is I sit in a very, very privileged, comfortable chair, and I've never walked a day in, in, in either side, right? On, on either side of this discussion, either someone who feels uncomfortable perhaps because of political pressure at home, not just for themselves, but for their family. Uh, and I've never walked a day in the life of not being, not ever being, not ever feeling excluded at all. Like I'm a you know middle-aged white straight guy. Like I talk about the most privileged position. So on, on this one, my default setting is always compassion and understanding and saying like, yeah, like put on the Jersey. What's, the big deal put on the sticker put on the decal on the mask like it, it's not that big a deal as a matter of fact you're doing a lot of good here uh for a lot of people and it makes a lot of if you just want to get rid of the uh the human element of it it makes a lot of business sense too uh in order to grow the game and, and make more customers feel welcome so i think as, as much as i talk about as much as i talk about how the nhl and the players association you know have to have to come to an understanding of what this is as well, I feel probably the same way about myself because I, I'm always trying to recognize what position I'm coming at this for, and that just doesn't extend to, to one part of this discussion. Yeah, that'll make sense. I think we'll just leave it at this. Like, I feel, or I'll leave it at this, personally more comfortable criticizing the James Reimers and Eric Stalls and Stahl brothers of the world than, let's say, Ilya Samsonov now at this point, knowing what we know uh, now. Uh, let's move on to hockey uh, and what we saw on the ice. Jet Greaves, 
rank that handle for us and I guess rank the performance as well. I thought it was really good. Like, I mean, okay, honestly, when you found out that Jack Greaves was playing last night, did you not say 52 save performance, Columbus wins 3 nothing? Yes, I did say like, that. Did you not say to yourself, like, <laughs> this, <laughs> like, we're, We've seen this movie before, <laughs> you know. Then and it's the local kid too. Um, great story, first of all. You know what this does? This goes to show you how much an athlete can excel when he or she has someone who believes in them. And Jack Reeves is an undrafted goaltender. Uh, Cam Stewart is the agent here, and Cam got him to development camp at Columbus. And Manny Legacy uh, really took a shining to him and worked with him and, it, uh, you know, helped turn him into someone who I think a lot of us looked at when he played with the Barry Colts, kind of looked at Jack Greaves and said, first, cool name, second, good goaltender, but probably going to top out at what, like an American Hockey League level. Best case, he's a veteran starter in the American Hockey League, maybe just end up a uh, uh, American Hockey League backup goalie, you know, play out the rest of the career in Europe. Like, that, that was the direction that Jeff Greaves was, was trending. Um, but then it was Manny Legacy, it was Ian Clark, the goaltending coaches, Clark's now, of course, off to, and gone to, to the Vancouver Canucks. But it was those two, and most specifically Manny Legacy, who believed in this guy. I mean, the, the margin for success and failure at pro sports Listen, you guys have talked about this. We all understand this. Is razor thin. And sometimes the difference can be all mental. And knowing that you have someone that believes in you, I think, goes a long way for athletes. And I think we saw that last night with Jed Greaves making his debut. And I thought he was good. Like when he robbed Matthews in the second, did you not say, like, wow, when did you ever look at this very cold net miner and say one day he's going to stop one of the best shooters uh, in the NHL, not a, not a chance. But I, I really do think this is this is the power of, of having someone that believes in you. And you know, uh, every time that I see Jet Greaves or hear the name, I always think of Manny Legacy, goalie coach with the, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was another outstanding night for the Edmonton Oilers, who beat the Los Angeles Kings to take over second sole possession, I guess, of second place in the Pacific Division. It was a great night for Leon Dreisaitl as well. Uh, we all know who's going to win the Hart Trophy, whether it's unanimous or not. It's going to belong to Connor McDavid once again. But I'm fascinated by who else belongs on that ballot. I mean, Dreisaitl's been unbelievable. Guys like Nick Robertson, or Jason Robertson, rather, David Pasternak, Matthew Kachuk as yeah. well. Like, where do you fit specifically Dreisaitl in that conversation? Because, yeah, he gets hurt by the fact that he's teammates with Connor McDavid, but I'm having trouble finding a better season league-wide other than Connor McDavid when considering what Leon Dreisaitl is doing. Lemieux Yager, right? That's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the Mario Lemieux Yarmir Yager discussion. It's one of those like, well, if he only would have existed uh, in another era where Connor McDavid doesn't exist, we'd be talking about Leon Dreisaitl uh, as maybe the best player in the uh, in the in, in the NHL. I mean, he's right there. Like you nailed it. Like I'm I'm a big Jason Robertson guy. I'm glad you included him there. I think that what Robertson's uh, been able to do here with the Dallas Stars. Um, not just this season, but also, you know, historically, like smashing records. Um, you know, they go back to the, they, they go back to, you know, pre-96 when they were the Minnesota North Stars. I mean, it is, it, it is pretty special what Robertson is doing. Um, I always like to include goaltenders uh, when it comes to the Hart Trophy and the, the most valuable player and the most important player. And I will throw Connor Hellebuck 
I think into that conversation, I will throw Ilya Sorokin uh, into that conversation as well. Um, I mean, I think you nailed all the particulars here. Um, Matthew Kachuk is having, you know, just an, an outstanding season. And probably, you know, when you look at all the players that, you know, were involved somehow with the Calgary Flames last offseason, whether it's, you know, Johnny Gaudreau or Nazem Kadri or Jonathan Huberto or Mackenzie Weger, Matthew Kachuk is, I mean, has kind of exceeded expectations. Like, didn't you look at last season and say, okay, Kachuk is good. We know that. But is he a consistently elite player? Because he's playing with, Joe, with you know, with Gaudreau and, and Lindholm here. He's playing on the best line in the NHL. And not saying that he's a byproduct of playing with two elite playmakers, but it certainly helps. And he goes to the Florida Panthers, brand new team, brand new coach, brand new everything. He's better. <laughs> Like, I think that I'm glad you mentioned Kachuk because I don't, I don't think any, many people are including him in a Hart Trophy conversation. You know, Elliot and I were discussing this yesterday. This is almost like when you're doing a hockey pool in the 80s and you take Wayne Gretzky out of the mix. Or if you take Wayne Gretzky, you lose your second-round pick. Um, that's kind of what it feels like. It's like the race right now is to second place. Like, I've always said this about um, – the nurse family and anyone, Sarah Nurse, Kia Nurse, Darnell Nurse, I've always said this about this family and it applies here with McDavid and the, and the Hard Trophy race. When you're competing, if you show up at your event and you're competing against someone from the nurse family, understand you're competing for second place. And that's kind of what this is now with, uh, with, with the NHL and the most valuable player, the Hard Trophy, etc. What everyone is competing for is the Hard Trophy and Dreisaitl's right there. I'll tell you, as much as we're looking forward to the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning, man, I can't wait because these two teams really legit hate each other. I can't wait for the Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. And, uh, and, and target number one, Mikey Anderson, uh, to watch you know, the Edmonton Oilers try to you know, run around and get Lex in on him. This one, remember how nasty it was last season. I, I'm looking forward to what it's going to be like now with, uh, with McDavid and Dreisaitl on another planet. Uh, Jeff, it's perfect that you mentioned nurse family because I wanted to quickly ask you about women's worlds and maybe just this important time that we're about to see in women's hockey. I know there's some rumblings and mumblings about what could be on the corner, um, maybe even announced during the World Championship. Yes, okay. Well, what's happening then, Jeff? What's happening? happening. What is it? They'll announce the league. It's coming up. They'll they'll announce Mm -hmm. it. Like, this is is the, the, the momentum. I mean, yeah. Anyone, anyone that you talk to, you know, right now it is, it is happening. I think the only question that we have is um, where are the teams going to be? How many teams will there be? I've heard rumors of uh, two teams from Ontario um, to, go along with, uh, to go along with Montreal. So it will be mm-hmm. Toronto and another team in the province. I mean, these are all the rumors that are out there. I know that there's um, you know, uh, talk about Washington and Pittsburgh stateside. Uh, do they go three and three? It sounds like it's going to be a six-team league. So I think that another successful Women's Worlds uh, will provide some momentum here to uh, to make the announcement. But uh, let's get through the Worlds first, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, again, this is like this is elite of elite. Like, it's, it's, it's a great way to, 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 to dovetail this announcement, but um, you know, we have one of the, we have we have a great Canadian story about to evolve here with Nat Spooner, don't we? I mean, I'm so first of all, great person, great athlete, all of it. 
how do you not cheer for someone like Natalie Spooner coming back? Oh, most definitely. She's going to bring quite the boost, um, not only to that team leadership-wise, but on the ice. Then the, they're looking strong as ever. They got basically the same core back, um, looking to, to trifecta this world championship run. Um, I hope we get to see you there at one of the games, Jeff. I'll try to go to as many as I can. So uh, yeah. cheer on our girls. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We'll, we'll chat next week and uh, enjoy the drive. Sounds great yeah. out there. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good day to be a duck. Uh, you cheer on number 23, right? Always. I was just talking about how she was voted most likely to be the best GM of a new team. So she's got something going for her. You know, you, listen, you know what Ambrose has going for Erin Ambrose has, is in a really unique position in her life right now. I'm not trying to wrap up her playing career because she's got a lot. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of playing in her. But Ailish, like, you know, Ambrose, like when she's done, she can do whatever she wants. Like, did you mention, like, be a general manager? Yep, I could see that. Yep, mm-hmm. I could see her being a coach. I could see her being a broadcaster. Like, when all of this is done, like, there is a huge open field for Ambrose. And, like, she's not the only one in that mix, not mm-hmm. the only one uh, on, on that team specifically. But when you look at her skill set and, um, you know, how charming she is as a broadcaster and how smart she is as a manager slash coach, I, I think the field is wide open for Ambrose here. It'll be 32 Thoughts, the podcast with Jeff Merrick and Aaron Ambrose. Sorry, Elliot, move over. Or or or, or Elliot and Aaron and I'm on the outside. <laughs> you and I, I both will lose our Thanks, jobs, Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> uh, well, let's watch her on the ice. I can do traffic. I can do traffic and weather as I show You're the right, top actually. of the hour. Versatility. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jeff. Thank Appreciate you. it, and we'll chat soon. This is Jeff Merrick, host of Jeff Merrick Show and host of 32 Thoughts Podcast for now. I thought he was going to put Aaron in my seat there. I was like, careful, Jeff. Let's not do Ambrose and Alish yet. No, we can't. Can't boot you out of here the yet. The A-list would be, I guess that'd be the show. That's right. Women's World's exciting, but yeah, he mentioned a little tidbit there. Maybe two Ontario you, teams. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. But you insiders are taught, like, just, I, I like how he said it. Just say it. It's happening. It's no, happening. No, it's certainly, it is happening. A women's professional league should be announced within this month, I assume. Maybe after the World Championships wraps Seems up. Seems like think a that's good time to announce the things. time to do it. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of things about this and i'm very excited to cover it once it's fully i announced. can't wait I'm for not you to share put myself out there right now and try to be an insider make a mistake but i have heard the two ontario teams and one of them would be pretty cool you can leave it at that eh? yeah okay all right it's time for something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meats yum 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 let's do some masters talk let's okay there's two things i want to cover here tiger woods obviously is always Eyes on Tiger as we enter the Masters. Um, it's his 25th Masters tournament. He's a five-time champ. He's met with reporters yesterday um, acknowledging that he might not have too many trips to Augusta left in him, and we know that. Dude, I was a little surprised, to be honest, with this. Okay. Let's because play... you can go forever. Yeah, okay. But Tiger, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to go till like, he's not even performing at a level like he's only going to play tournaments he thinks he can win it well there's no like this is the most likely tournament for him to right win. so but how many more times is he going to feel that he can win the masters a couple more years maybe that seems like a lot justin uh, so what's standing in the like mike weir's not going to win again mike weir goes every year mike what's weir stopping has, like, no pride maybe oh wow well, come on, that's harsh 
Well, I mean, like Tiger it's, wants to go allowed, in there and be like an absolute competitor. I Bernard don't know Langer's if Mike going every year. feels the same way about going in there believing he can win the Masters every year. No, he certainly does not. So I mean, I he's meant. being honest with himself, but I don't know why Tiger wouldn't just play. Because it's he. I think he holds himself to this level of competitive competitiveness, I guess, that he wants to be there on Sunday. He doesn't want to por- perform poorly. I, I yes. suppose that's okay. Well, why don't we play the clip? But I don't know why he would. Let's play the clip. Good idea. Yeah. When you're clip. playing this course, does it ever cross your mind, this could be the last time? Yes, it has. Um, I I didn't know. I mean, last year was kind of a, um, didn't know if I was, was going to play again at that time. Uh, for some reason, everything kind of came together. And I kind of pushed it a little bit, and I was able to make the cut, which was nice. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. So, the, just to be able to appreciate the the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. Okay. I don't know how many more I have in me. Is pretty. It's pretty strong. Yeah, it's just like he can play as long as he wants, and I don't know why he wouldn't want to play that course and be a part of that weekend as long as possible. My answer to that is because I don't think Tiger is a guy that just wants to be a participant. He wants to be a I competitor. Right. I suppose There's a right. difference between him and some other players that are showing up for the prestige to attend Augusta to and the walk dinner the course and, do and go the to the thing, dinner. Wear the green jacket. It's, and, you know, kiss some life, babies. It's a lifelong club. I just think Tiger ha- has a different level of competitiveness in him. That difference between participant and Sunday competitor. And I guess one other difference too is the health stuff and how difficult it might be for him to play golf and to get up and down because hills like and all that stuff. Like extremely... I understand like Mike Weir, it's a walk in the park for him. Of course, he's a healthy individual that can play golf at the senior tour level. Tiger's a little different because he's under, you know, he's gone through some stuff. He's had some mm-hmm. serious, serious injuries. There were questions as he outlined of him ever playing again. So I get all that, but I hope Tiger plays as long as he can. Because it's exciting. And I hope Tiger plays. And it doesn't plays. matter if he doesn't win, to me. Like, it does not. It's not that big of a deal. Just play and have fun and give us something to talk about and and be entertained by. I, I hope he's not like, oh, I can't play here anymore because I can't win. I think the Masters is the one place where you can just go and play and be a legend. That's fine. We'll tee up the chances of Tiger having a successful Masters weekend at 8.30 with the golf guys who are going to join us. If you've got any Masters picks, you can always send that in at 595.90. We'll cycle through some of our, our picks for our Fan X Cup. But one other thing that came out yesterday from Augusta were the pairings of the first two rounds. And we talked about this yesterday before it was announced. Oh, wouldn't it be great to have some big head-to-heads, like live guys versus PGA guys, like... The big names, and among the four featured groups for Thursday, not a single live player is a part of it. Among the featured pairings, okay, so PGA Among making, the four featured pairings. Right, so, I mean, it's impossible to, well, I mean, you could have them play together, I guess, but there are they are sprinkled in there, but you're right, It's they're trying to minimize the impact, I guess it seems like a little bit, where we don't have Rory versus DJ uh, on the first two days of the Masters. Kind of unfortunate. I think there's a missed opportunity here. I feel like they could have really leaned into it more. Like, this is this is a big deal because it's the Masters, but it's also a big deal because it's the first time this is true live versus PGA competition. And I think it would be, and it, it, you can't avoid it once we get to Saturday and Sunday, when the weekend, mm-hmm. it's, you know, no matter where you are, no matter who you're affiliated with, it's if, if you, your score dictates who you play with. 
But I feel like a little bit of a, a little rivalry, a little taste on Thursday, Friday would have been even more enticing to watch. Uh, I, I thought they could have leaned a little bit more into it, but it seems like, you know, everyone's cooled their jets a little bit. Everyone's playing nice. We'll see what happens. Oh, you say if, that now. They all want yeah, to have a we'll celebration s- on 18 well, after yeah, the golfer maybe, wins. That's the thing. It's like they're on their best behavior until what point? <laughs> and then maybe if one of them wins, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be absolutely beyond the pale. But I, I think we're going to, I don't know how well the live guys are going to do, but I hope we get at least one that's competitive and an interesting pairing on the weekend. 18 golfers from live will participate at the masters and they've won a combined of nine green jackets, but none of the 18 golfers were paired with any top 50 player in the official world golf rankings that compete on the PGA tour. So mm. seems like a very, very decision. deliberate. Yes. Very they've, much. They've, so. uh, they've definitely made a conscious effort to uh, spread it out. We will see uh, who your rebel picks will be for the live fan X version of the cup. We're going to do our regular uh, two in the top odds, 25 to 50, 50 plus a Canadian. And then we're also going to do a little three pack of live rebels. Yes. I'm excited. A five, pack of, a five pack of PGA, three pack of live rebels. I also heard that the weather's not supposed to be great on the weekend, which sucks. Yeah. I'm looking at the pairings uh, or the threesomes now to start. And I don't, I don't know if they normally do this, but I believe they're going off both the back nine and front nine, probably in an effort to try and get things through. Maybe this is common practice, but uh, they're going to be dealing with some time restraints here. They're going to be trying to jam it in. And a big thing about the Masters is they finish on Sunday. So it may come at the cost of some. They might be playing through some treacherous weather as long as they can, uh, but it might be an uneven weekend in Augusta. I would hate to see that. I want pristine viewing and playing I know it's part of it, right? It's like it's like does it what? the aesthetic is it just, like just as important as anything there. else. Yes. <laughs> it should just be a, a perfect Augusta always. All right, Kevin Barker's gonna join us on the other side of the break. We're gonna talk about Kikuchi and the big, big win, maybe a momentum starter for the Blue Jays as they continue looking to to get to five hundred here. Manoa back on the mound looking to rewrite the the first opening day that he had and now that we've gone through the rotation one full-time, how do you describe the start of the Blue Jays season? Kevin Barker joins us on the other side of the break. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan Alec Manoa on the bump tonight. Blue Jays look to get to 500 on their early career this season. Kikuchi with a pretty good performance last night settled the nerves of Blue Jays fans across the country. And I listened to Blair Barker last night. I heard a little little peppin'. Barker's step last night talking about the guys. Uh, okay. Yes. He's always positive, Polly, when it comes to him and Blair. Um, co-host of Blair Barker, Kevin Barker, former MLB first baseman, joins us this morning. How's it going, Barker? Hey, how's it going? Hey, I was just out trying to get gas, and it is pretty windy. So <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys are out and about and all this stuff, make sure you're, you're, you're safe because it's very hard. This is the first time I think that I've been in Canada that I've actually uh, set the pump and got back in my car while wow. the gas 
Tampa because it's that windy. So I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid to say it that I was, it was a little windy and it was messing up my hair and I had to get back in the car. Well, I can definitely attest to that. I was weaving through garbage cans on my way in. They were like (laughs) scattered all around the road. Yeah, it was, it's it's definitely windy. It's unbelievable. Gotta be honest, it was a little fun. It was a little like, uh, (laughs) a little like Mario Kart. Enjoyed that. Uh, Got me at least to wake up a little bit on the drive-in. Okay, so we're one spin through the rotation. We've seen every starter for the Blue Jays. How would you best describe this first five games? The first run through the rotation, where's where's your head at with what we've seen through five games in the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, two of the five have been really good. You said the coach is really good coming off that Jose Barrio start. And you know, I was hearing you guys talk about us trying to be positive on the Blair and Barker show. Sometimes it's tough, right? <laughs> first time through, expectations of the team. Uh, you know, who you think they're they're playing and who's pitching for the Blue Jays, you think that should have better outings and, you know, just didn't go well the first first run through. Uh, you know, Kevin Gosman's really good. He's Kevin Gosman, right? A lot of people are picking him to win the Cy Young this year in the American League. Uh, he does things, right? The, the slider now, he's got a nice little toy he can play with. People are starting to take the, the split finger down. Uh, the velocity's been really good. He's been on our show. He says he's paying a lot of attention to his velocity. He's getting a little older. You know, he wants to maintain the 95-plus uh, velocity on the fastball just because it makes the split finger that much better and the nice little toe he has with the, with the slider. Manoa, look, Blair always likes to say that uh, that first start was, you know, the lights might have been a little too bright for him. He's a little bit too excited. I'm not going to go on that side of it. I think it's just, you know, maybe he's coming out a little hot. He couldn't keep it in the lane the way he normally does. The ball's leaking over the middle of the plate. You guys know you watch enough baseball. You throw it down the middle in the big leagues, you get hammered, right? And the Chris Bassett thing, he's got eight pitches. I just think that's sort of work in progress. He gave up some home runs. It is what it is. He, he's been around long enough. He knows himself. I think he'll be okay. Uh, the, the Jose Barrios thing, I have no idea. If you guys know uh, what's going on with Jose, I think you guys should call Pete Walker and the Blue Jays and, and help him out because – I, I think he's the unknown. After you say Kikuchi the way he looked last night, the confidence, the velocity, we saw 98 from you say yesterday. For me, I think he has to live there. You know, he's sort of married to the cutter. He, occasionally that cutter's 90. That's BP heater. Location's not always great. Having the 98 will help him. But the big unknown is Jose Barrios coming into the season. You know, we sort of tried to laugh it off because he's such a good dude. He works so hard. You know, he's adjusted throwing programs. He stayed in Florida all offseason and didn't go home to Puerto Rico. So, you know, it's a big year for him. He understands what he needs to do to help this team go where they ultimately want to go. But John Snyder said everybody take a deep breath. You know, exhale first time through. Everybody's trying to get their feet wet. I'll probably take his advice, try and do that. But starts today. You know, you could honestly I, – I, I laughed a little bit and said last night was the biggest game of the year. I, you know, I was joking about that, but, you know, what if they'd have lost last night and what if you say Kikuchi didn't look as good as he did? But he did. You know, that that will give him some confidence. Their offense looks like uh, Dalton Varsho looks really good, right? Hit cleanup, he's hitting fifth. Matt Chapman looks really good. You know, they, they look like a playoff team. They'll figure out the rotation. The bullpen's good enough, so they play good enough defense. The base running looks a lot better this year. Look, I said this, they're a playoff team. You know, are they going to win the American League East? Who knows? But they're a really good team.
Yeah, the, the Brios and Kikuchi thing, definitely, uh, I, I think the headliner, at, at least in terms of like points of intrigue uh, coming through this first five, uh, through first five no games question. and the starts. And I, I don't know about you, but I saw a contrast uh, between the two with Yusei Kikuchi just kind of enjoying pitching, uh, competing, emoting, being fired up, being into the ball game and very, very, uh, I'll say, I, I wouldn't say encouraged, but not discouraged. And when you look at Barrios, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's too much iPad stuff. Maybe the analysis, you're getting the paralysis by analysis because it seems like he wasn't as free-flowing as at least you say Kikuchi was. And both of these guys were, were kind of facing the same thing. Like, I know the pressures of Barrios' contract maybe a little bit more extreme than Kikuchi's contract, but if we saw one guy just compete and throw and have fun and play and the other guy maybe a little a little tight and a little tentative still, did you see like that sort of difference between the two? And if it is with Kikuchi, he's just getting back to basics and, and competing and having fun. Is that the recipe for him? Yeah, well, again, you got you know, I, th- I think we have to take a step back, give Barrios a little bit of a break because he has reinvented himself. Now, it is a little odd for a guy that's been around as long as he has to reinvent himself mechanically he's a totally different guy he doesn't have a wind up anymore uh he, you know he's a little bit more fluid with with his with his uh, little thing he does with his leg kick he's a little bit more closed off for deception uh he's changed his hand positioning he's not as high as now he's starting a little bit more around the belt thought he was tipping pitches last year's lot going on to your point it's a little overwhelming. I said this yesterday about him. Maybe just walk away from everybody trying to give you advice. Just say, I, I've been around long enough to know myself. Self-correct. Have Be good with your misses, right? Try not to miss down the middle because his stuff's good enough. The breaking ball breaks enough. You know, the changeup can have a little bit more depth to it, look like a sinker a little bit more. But the mile per hour is good on that. You know, it's the fastball command. It's his misses. If he gets a little bit better with that, I, again, I just think we – we play this out, let him, you know, go out there a couple of more starts, and I think he'll be okay. He'll at least give him a chance. So you say, Kikuchi, look, he's got a nice little toy, you know, with the nice little breaking ball he can steal a strike with. He's throwing harder. And I, that fluidity of his wind-up's a big deal. I, I don't know if you guys remember, he was a start-and-stop guy. He would lift his leg. He had that little pause, and then he would go, and the, the arm slot and the release point was not always there, and his pitches were all over the place, and his velocity was all over the place. I don't know if you guys noticed, but it was consistently 96, and he would top out when he needed it at 98. That's because of his mechanics, and back to your point, he's very confident. So they're going to need them dudes, right? They're going to need Barrios close to 200 innings, and it's going to have to be some quality in there, and they're going to need Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, do, I, do I dare say 140 innings? You know, if they give if he gives them twenty five, twenty six starts at five innings to start, that that could only help to help that bullpen. So, yeah, you know, it's it's uh it's it's big picture. You look at it, but I but I think they're going to be okay. Everybody. All right, so we went through the rotation one full time. Uh, we get to see Manoa back on it today. But let's talk about Dalton Varsho and his addition to this team. Last night, I think we got to see the toolbox that he has, all the diversity um, in terms of defensively, offensively. He seems like an absolute gem. The team loves him. Um, what part of the Dalton Varsho experience do you think Blue Jays are going to love the most? Yeah, look, I think he does everything good. You know, does he do anything great? Not real sure yet. Like, look, the left-handed thing, him facing lefties with the breaking ball, you could tell that's a little bit of an issue. That's why he's stride separating. Stride separating is last year he had a leg kick at the plate. Now he is getting the foot down, the front foot down on time, 
so he can have a flatter bat path just to give himself a chance because he has enough bat speed, he has enough hand-eye coordination that now all of a sudden you're starting to see him trying to use the entire field, right? He's just not a one-sided guy. Leg kick, he was more of I lift it up, I sit and spin, I'm an up-the-middle pull side. Like everything's going to the right side. Now, because he got he has that flatter bat path and can stay through baseballs, he can use the entire field. So I think that, for me, is probably what people are going to be uh, really excited about. And his base running. Well, we saw that. We saw a bunt single. You know, he's facing a tough lefty. He's had some tough at-bats in the game against the lefty, right? You go up, you're going situation. Dude's on second base, nobody out. At the very least, I'm getting him over. It's a runner on third base. You know, I've had a competitive at-bat. So, yeah, I think there's a, a bunch of things, but the base running, the defense, and the outfield's a big deal for him. Uh, you know, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, right? I think John Snyder's job is to write his name, line up, get out of his way. He does that, <laughs> he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're hearing a lot of enticing data points when it comes to Dalton Varsho. We, you know, he hits a hits the first ball he hit with the Blue Jays, like, like the hardest he's hit in his career, and then that throw from left field yesterday that saves a run and keeps Yusei Kikuchi smiling on the mound. Uh, that was mm-hmm. like the hardest thrown ball that he's seen, and it sounds great, right? Like. But I wonder how to contextualize that. Like when you hear that a player is hitting the ball harder than he ever has and throwing the ball ever harder than he ever has, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, on the, well, we'll just give you an example. On the throw, you have to fight yourself right to get behind that baseball. He knows he doesn't have the strongest arms. He knows mechanically on balls he's got to force himself behind the baseball. So every bit of his momentum is going towards the target. And follow your throw, right? He has to be mechanically almost perfect for that ball to go and have the velocity that he wants it to have mechanically sound. And I think we saw that last night. And the velocity off the bat, yeah, it's a big deal, right? That means everything that you're doing with your lower half that you've been working on and you bought into is starting to work. And now the barrel and your eyes which I say this all the time if you ever listen to me on the, on the radio, Blair and Barker, I say your eyes direct the barrel to where it needs to go. That is, you're able to do that because of your lower half, and I think he's very comfortable, he's confident. And, again, I was the guy that said put him in the six or seven hole and leave him alone, let him get his feet wet. Well, just shows you what I know because they started the season putting him in the cleanup spot. So they have a lot of confidence in him, and I know as a player, and you guys know, that if your coach, your manager has a ton of confidence in you to put you in positions like the cleanup spot, tell it's just that's the first step, right? So I think it's a collection of a bunch of things, but he's a step in the right direction. He's going to help this team go a long way, I think. And now in that cleanup spot, deservedly so, is Matt Chapman, another big night at the plate. He's got 11 hits through the first five games, uh, tying a franchise record. His new plate uh, seems uh, his new approach at the plate seems to be working really well for him. Uh, what have you seen most that you've liked from Matt Chapman's early returns? Well, he's getting a good pitch to hit. You know, but uh, that's what it is about the big leagues. I know when I tried to play, I, I chased a lot. You chase a lot. You know, you, you're trying to reinvent things off the field because you think you're doing something wrong when it's ultimately just about what you're swinging at a lot of times it's what you don't swing at. I think he's getting a good pitch. I know it sounds simple, but that's a lot of it. When these established big leaguers, and he's got a lot to play for. A lot of people are saying he's getting $200 million next year. He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. You know, you, to, to think that there's a, you know, a sense of urgency with him and his agent, who's Scott Forrest, to get off to a good start with the little toe tap, right? He's added a little bit more rhythm. 
to have a little bit more momentum going backwards to get in an athletic position. The quicker you get in an athletic position as an offensive player allows you to see the ball better, and I just think that's what it is, right? It looks easy for him. Everything right now is just I'm having my little gather. I get my front foot down, and the barrel, my hip rotation, my eyes, everything that should be happening is happening. And it also looks to me like he's got a good – direction he actually looks like when he walks to the plate i'm picking something out in right center to aim for my direction's going that way that's why i'm hitting the ball hard so yeah he's gotten off to a good start they need him they Uh, need him to be huge i don't know if he's gonna hit fifth all the time but they need him to have a good year in terms of mechanics and approach what are you seeing from uh vlad and Bo to start the season well, I mean, Bo's a great hitter, right? He does things offensively. He, he's a rapper. He he wraps the bat in the barrel more than anybody that I know in baseball. And to have enough bat speed because of what he does is lower half. I mean, he kicks his leg to his ear. Like, just nobody can do things offensively that Bo do, does. He's elite. Uh, and he's, he's going to have a great year. I mean, Blair always tells me he's going to win a batting title. I'm not real sure I'm buying into that yet just because of all the moving parts. But that dude's Lee, you noticed he's getting to where he's such a good hitter that if you're watching him hit, the ball that you think he should be hitting hard, he's hitting hard. And that's not the easiest thing to get to this early in his, his, in his career, and he's gotten to it already. Vladdy, I don't know about you guys. He looks like he's trying to walk to me. And I, I just don't know what kind of approach that is because of the way they need him to be a MVP candidate this year. Maybe this is something that he's talked about in the offseason. I know he's trying to be more selective. I'd rather see that. You know, it's that I want to be aggressive and selective together. And I just see more selective and almost trying to walk in big situations. I mean, I saw him take a 2-1 a couple of days ago. I saw him take 98 uh, in a 2-1 count right down the middle, first and third. He's the tie and run. That, for me, is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but – you know, he's walking a little bit more. I think he's walked five times this year. He, he That seems like an approach for him. Those two guys are elite. They're going to do special things. I think that they, those two guys are the least of your worries. And, you know, they're, they need to, again, they need a lot of things to happen, right? And I think it starts with the first three guys in that lineup. George Springer has to have a big year. Bo has to have a big year. Vladdy. And I think they'll do that defensively and offensively. When you look at the entire lineup, do you think this team did achieve, or Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro did achieve the balance it was looking for when constructing uh, a batting order? Uh, do, you, do you consider the lefty bats dangerous enough? I mean, if Flatty's looking to take more walks, that, could that expose what might be suddenly a shorthanded group when it comes to pop from the right side of the plate? When you look at this entire lineup, has it achieved what it sought out to do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a little early to be to be you know digging into that just yet. I think you know, I think I think we're starting to see actually managers have to bring lefties in, and that's the whole point, right? It's just not the righty that it's the revolving door of the the sinker and the slider away to a bunch of right-handed hitters. They can't do that anymore. And Dalton Varsho can hammer righties, which is a big deal. So if you haven't stacked in. You know, after either a hot Matt Chapman or, you know, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. thing, yeah, yeah, I think Brandon Belt, there's a little unknown there, right? We're starting to see him in the first couple of games swinging through 91. Is that age? Is that his lower half with the injuries? Is that timing issues? You know, he didn't have a ton of at-bats in spring training, so the jury's still out on that a little bit. Kevin Kiermaier creates havoc. I don't know about you guys. 
but sort of the game is just a, a different game when he's standing on first base. And I do know I've talked to him and I've, I've talked to people around him. He's not trying to hit home runs anymore. Starting to see that line drive swing up the middle the other way. His job is to get on base, pass the baton for the big boys, and score a hundred runs and play great defense. So, yeah, I think I think what you're what you're saying you're on something there. But it's I, I think every one of those left-handers bring a little something differently, right? It's Barsha sort of brings everything. Brandon Bell is sort of that veteran presence who's going to work counts and you know occasionally get hot at times and help carry a team for a little while. And Kiermaier's the hair on fire guy who's going to do a lot of things with his legs. Uh, Barker, last one for you here tonight, uh, Alec Manoa on the mound. But yesterday there was a little bit of buzz around um, yeah. Alex Verdugo saying that yeah, he goes about it the wrong way. Now, I wonder your thoughts on, I mean, going in the media and kind of calling people out. It's going to be a fun uh, fun time that these guys match up next time when they play the Red Sox. But w- what does he mean by goes about it the wrong way? Yeah, hey, I don't know. Look, Al- Alex is, you know, he's, he's uh he's, he sort of sometimes I think says things that I maybe he'd like to have back. You know, you you voluntarily run to a a person with a microphone in their hand and say things about guys that you're going to face a bunch of times. I don't know if that's the the smartest things to do. Look, I, I think if you're Alec Manoa, you you say nothing. I, I you know I know he had a comment when somebody mm-hmm. stuck a microphone in his face and said he doesn't give a bleep. Okay, that that's that's fine. If it was me, I would just laugh it off if somebody was to ask me, and I would think to myself, man, I'm I'm rent-free between your ears. I am pissed against you this year. I would be thinking that kind of thing if I'm Alec Manoa. But, yeah, this is the American League East. I played the American League East. They don't like each other. You know, newsflash, no team in the American League East like each other. Name a team that faces another team, and they'll tell you I don't like them. I like beating them. So <laughs> this just adds a little bit of different element to it, and, you know, they're, they're two big-time personalities. Those two guys think they're really good. And if you're a fan of baseball, you know, you don't have to be a fan of the Red Sox or the Blue Jays. If you're a fan of baseball, this gives you a reason to tune in. And I'm a big fan of baseball, and I hope that happens a little bit more. I think it's funny. I laugh it off. I, me and Blair joke about it all the time. It's funny that, you know, the two big boys are being kids. You sort of think that's funny. Well, he's got the opportunity to walk the walk tonight. Alec Manoa on the mound sure. looking for start number two of his season. Uh, Barker, appreciate you joining us today. We'll be listening to Blair and Barker later on in the day. And safe travels in. Two hands on the wheel. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks. That's Kevin Barker, former MLB first baseman, coach of Blair and Barker. We're getting the weather reports from all of our guests saying it is Everyone's scary on the out there. I got some texts being like, don't careful driving home. I only have to go like one kilometer, but still you have a hike. I was going to, I, I was going to bring that up, up the top of the hour. Like the, on the way in, I don't know if it was Mount Pleasant. I guess it was Mount Pleasant at that point coming, coming uh, mm-hmm. south. It was honestly, they were in all lanes, garbage cans everywhere. And I'm just going like this around <laughs> them on the way. in. I guess this would be swerving through them uh, on the way in. It was pretty wild. It's right. the day you lose your garbage can in Toronto. Yikes. Uh, pin those things down. Um, all right. Before we take a break and you get to hear our 680 News weather and traffic report, we're going to away Blue Jays tickets for you all week long. A four-pack of tickets to the Blue Jays-Tigers game next Thursday at the New Look Rogers Centre, along with an awesome Jays merch prize pack. All you have to do is listen to our show today and tomorrow, oh, and always, and listen for the daily code word. Today's code word is Bichette. Text Bichette to 59590 right now for your chance to win another pack of four-pack tickets tomorrow and a merch prize. So be sure to tune in. This is for next Thursday's game at the Rogers Center. Blue Jays and Tigers for tickets. Code word is Bichette. So Springer yesterday, Bichette today. 
I'm not saying you might be able to forecast tomorrow, but we're I still giving Chapman. away tickets. Might be Chapman. I think it's Chapman tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. Have to see the lineup, and maybe we'll, we'll figure it out. Like, v- would they do Vladdy or would they do Vladimir? Right? Vladdy would be best, but I don't know for. I don't know. Here. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they can figure it out. I think it'll be Chapman tomorrow. We're putting okay. our bets in. Okay. Speaking of bets, five ninety five ninety. I'll go Vlad. Okay. Five ninety five ninety for your wake and rake picks. We've got a couple games tonight, but we're gonna have the golf guys on. Um, Sam Key and Brent Gunning, who you know and love, help us tee up the Masters. And you can pick from the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors on their back-to-back against the Celtics. And, of course, the Blue Jays still play in the Royals. And maybe Canada and Switzerland Women's World Championship gets underway. Send your picks in at 595.90 on the other side of the break after you hear about the weather. We're talking to Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter at Yahoo Sports. How the league is viewing Nick Nurse and his dilemma with the Toronto Raptors. That's next. That's next.